Welcome back, you guys, to the Great Area Podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting about our uh, kind of journey with production for our short film, Fragile Fish. Fragilefish.com, if you haven't seen the movie yet. We keep plugging yep. it, but who knows where you're at in the podcast. Yep. So, yep, we're just going to chat about that, kind of go through the <clears throat> three days of principal shooting, along with... Uh, kind of the gear that we use, and some like cameras, lights, and lenses, and uh, here we go. Yeah. So we had three main, de- three main days of shooting. Uh, we got really fortunate in the fact that uh, we didn't have to pay for location. We have a, a close friend of ours, uh, Isaac and Edgar. They own a, uh, or Edgar rather owns a uh, barbershop. barbershop. Yeah, it's actually the barbershop that we go to. So if you like our haircuts, get them done there. Hermanos Barbershop in Cypress, California. For anybody listening, it is the best barbershop around. They do straight razor shaves, back of the neck, all that good shit. You might be wondering. We live in Dallas, Texas, so we don't go very often. I actually went last week, so speak for yourself. Okay. Um, so, so we got really fortunate in the fact that... Um, we we didn't have to pay for the location, but we were really constrained on uh, on when we could use the location. I think they were open till about seven, six about or seven, yeah. seven, yeah. Um, but it worked out really well because Isaac, the guy that actually cuts our hair, he's actually a, uh, a cinematographer, and he had a, a DJI Ronin. So it was cool because as soon as he got done with his workday. He kind of rested for an hour or so while we cleaned everything up and uh, set up lighting and made sure all the lenses were on the right cameras and et cetera, et cetera. But it was really cool. The, the, the whole experience, start to finish, we learned a ton. Uh, for anybody listening, this is, this is micro-budget uh, filmmaking. This is not... We didn't do a feature. We did a short film. We did it on a, a, a micro budget. I, I think our final budget was right around twenty five hundred bucks. Um, all self funded. We didn't do any crowdfunding. We didn't get any sponsors. Everything literally from lenses to food to props to everything was yeah. was out of our own pocket. Um, myself, Tanner, two of our friends, uh, Mark and Brad. Uh, Brad was the DP, director of photography, and Mark was one of the producers, and he acted in the movie. It's kind of our our brainchild. The four of us together really made the meat of the movie. So we we, we included them and see if they wanted to kind of pitch in and make it a little bit more more legit than what we could afford. And we split it four ways rather than two. For sure. So essentially, we're just going to first of all cover um, just kind of as an intro to uh, how we got started. Um, Really just like the gear that we use, Taylor put in a ton of research on uh, like what, what cameras we should use. And really, it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot um, outside of what we already had that we could have availability to. So we had um, at our disposal, basically, we had um, a two Canon 5D Mark III's um, and then a Black Magic. Um, which one was it? That was the... Uh, it was a cinema camera with cinema. A, C, a CF mount, so you could use Canon lenses. Gotcha. So we had those three major cameras, and then we used um, a bunch of different lenses and lights and rented it all. But since Taylor is the camera guy, um, I will pass it over to him to talk about the actual lenses that we used. So on the 5D Mark III's, we ended up using uh, Rokinon Cine lenses. For the majority of the movie, we shot it on 35 Um 
we tested out a bunch of stuff, and, and to me, I think that was the most... It looked big, but it still looked uh, theatrical. You know, right. it, looked, it looked like it could be uh, a feature, um, especially on the 5D3s. Um, we also used the one of our friends, Noah. He, um, he has a Blackmagic cinema camera, and we swapped out the, the lenses on there. We got the Rokinon Cinepak. So I think it comes with like a 35, 50, and 85. I think maybe a, a wide angle, like an 18 or something like that that we use for the car shots. Mm. Um, but we really try to be consistent with the lenses so that the, the post-production could be pretty smooth. Uh, what we didn't take into account, and this is, this is something that we'll go further into with the post-production part of it, was the, uh, the color gamut difference between the Blackmagic Cinema Camera and the 5D3s. Um, but for lighting, that was one thing that we really didn't know a whole lot about. We didn't have like one person that was, uh, extremely knowledgeable on lighting. So I kind of took that upon myself and did a, a bunch of research, watched a bunch of videos. There was, there was some that were helpful, but for the most part, it was kind of trial and error. We rented the lights a couple days in advance so that we could kind of turn them on, figure out how they work, uh, see if we could use any gels, um, we ended up using the RE 650-watt plus tungsten Fresnel light, and we rented them from Borrow Lenses. They ship them right to you. It's really convenient. We did it for seven days, even though we did principal for uh, three. We wanted to mess around with them before, and if we needed to do any pickup shots or uh, punch-in or whatever, we could do that after the fact a couple days. Um, so, again, we used the RE 650 uh, tungstens. And those proved to be awesome. We, we, I think we rented two of those and a uh, couple sandbags, and it cost us about 150 bucks for the week. Not bad at all. For sure. Um, so, so that was the main gear we used. So we used 5D3s, Blackmagic Cinema. Uh, we also bought a, a slider for some of the sliding shots and put it up on tripods. Um, that is one thing for micro budget films that is incredibly important the movement the camera movement is i mean there's like this indescribable thing if you want to make it look legit you have to have the right camera movement a lot of these micro budget films do like these static shots and then they punch in with some weird movement and then they do like a tripod you know um it just doesn't look right and that, this is not saying that we did everything absolutely right. This was a learning process for us, and we're just for trying sure. to share our experiences. Um, what did you kind of, I mean, now that we've kind of walked through some of the main gear that we used, we also used an on-camera uh, LED panel. It, you could adjust the temperature setting, which is really cool for some of the car shots. Um, we'll go into that a little bit later, but um, that was all rented from Tuttle Camera in Long Beach. It's a small uh, camera shop local to our area. And we rented, I think we rented tripods from there, Mm -hmm. the LED panel. Yeah. Maybe the slider. Maybe we actually rented the slider. Yeah, we did rent the slider from there. We did. Um, Which I think it was like 40 bucks for the weekend. So we we ended up using that that stuff. And uh, Tuttle Camera was really cool because they have this weekend rental policy that basically covered us it was awesome yeah. uh support local shops for some of the lighting stuff it was more convenient to rent for a week 
It ended up being about a quarter of the price if you rent it from something like Borrow Lenses uh, or Aperture Rent. Uh, I think they send stuff, Aperture Rent. Yeah. Um, Lumoid, something like that. But I, as much as we can, if the price is, is less than about 25%, difference we like to go and support the to local shops for sure um because those are the ones that that you can go and ask questions to uh find your local shop i'm sure there's one within a 25 mile radius that you can go to saved our butts a bunch of times um yeah we we pretty much ran through most of the gear that we used i mean there was a bunch of other small stuff we use like fluid heads and uh obviously i said the ronin and we use shoulder mounts and um follow focus and a bunch of other stuff but we can kind of get into what the production aspect was for us um once we figured out we had the location set and and everyone kind of got there it started to felt real feel real because we at that point we we were just doing read-throughs and we're like oh shit is everyone going to show up on the day of who's gonna (laughs) who's gonna not not gonna be there um who's going to actually direct this thing because my brother and i were technically directing it but we were also in front of the camera right so we're like we couldn't see what was going on, so we really had to trust Brad, who was our director of photography. Um, as, as well as Mark, who, who was kind of the guy saying action before uh, each take, basically. Yeah, so so walk us through, I guess, the first part of it, like setting everything up and then doing some dry run-throughs. Um, yeah. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to touch on, because this is essentially gear as well that we had, um, we had like a gas blowback or co2 whatever the heck it was um airsoft guns um for like our our firearm replicas basically um and so those obviously had no like no bbs or pellets in it but they were just loaded up with co2 and then we'd obviously do the take and you'd get that blowback effect and of course in the um, post-production we added the effect to that so we had like a couple of those guns we had um some like practical effects for like blood and stuff like that um just kind of things that we didn't really think about, like as far as like the, the high-end gear when it comes to cameras and lenses. Like that was just kind of like the, the stuff to, to take care of certain scenes that we had written. But if we were to take a look at day one and kind of the crew that we had, um, day one, was it day one or day two you think we'd probably set, had our largest crew? I think it was day two. Day two, okay. So this one we had like kind of our primary crew. And just to be completely transparent, it was... Um, basically just a bunch of our friends, but they were, they were, uh, really kind of professional. We had everybody kind of laid out with certain duties and responsibilities. So if we take a look at like day one, essentially we're going to capture, um, everything outside before the, um, fight scene. Cause we knew that once we did the fight scene, like, of course there'd be like the blood, the tearing of the clothing, um, and then certain scenes essentially that we couldn't like go backwards from because it would have permanently affected like wardrobes and, and scenery. So we did basically everything that was outside. So everything passed like that initial car sequence um, into the like from the outside of the barbershop into the barbershop up until the fight sequence. So essentially when we just first showed up, it was a bunch of just run throughs, just kind of getting the nerves out, especially for for Taylor and I, because we hadn't really done this before. And then really kind of trying to get everybody on the same page, be like, um, cause a lot of it, the way we kind of split the directorial duties was like, um, Taylor would, would specifically say like, Hey Brad or, or Hey Mark or whoever, like, Hey, we're going to catch this shot from here. You're going to push in at this point. Don't you're going to get focus here. And then we're going to be switching to this, you know, kind of all of the composition of the shot as far as the camera is concerned. Um, and then what I would, what I would do a lot was just directing that, like the people in a sense, like, Oh, like I like that take Ricardo, why don't you try doing this instead of this or, 
um, try and capture this face when it came to like uh, Fabian or whatever. Like, so it was just kind of, it was a cool mix of that kind of played to each of our strengths. Um, and that's kind of how we laid out that first experience of acting slash directing. Something um, that we, we did and something that we didn't do. Uh, we had one of our friends, Sam, he, uh, he was the sound designer on it. He did uh, boom operation <laughs> day of, he used a zoom H four N recorder and then plugged in a uh, a boom mic, and he boomed the entire uh, the entire set. Um, For sure. Two things that we wish we would have done, um, and one we honestly forgot, and the second one I I really didn't think of um, was using labs. Um, it's important to really mic up and get good takes, uh, vocal takes, audio from your leads. You know, you can always do ADR, which we did. Um. But that's something that we wish we would have done was had labs on some of the leads. Like if we just had it on the the three main people, myself, Tanner, and Ricardo, mm-hmm. it would have been immensely helpful. Um, the other thing was room tone. If you would have, if we would have just had everyone quiet for two minutes and gotten room tone, it would have definitely uh, just kind of added something to the sound. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you're making a movie, be be aware of those things. If you can afford labs, you can definitely rent them. Um, that's one thing to do, but make sure you get good audio takes. Yep. One of our best takes got cut out. Um, so just make sure everyone's on the same page. If audio cuts out, cut the scene because we kept rolling and it was our best acting performance. Um, and when we went to go edit everything, it it was was kind of a nightmare because there was no audio for it. Um, but we had Sam doing boom operation. We had Isaac doing, um, camera operation, Brad doing camera operation. <clears throat> we had PJ, uh, he was one of the actors, but he was also doing some of the, I guess, logistical stuff. Uh, he was probably the most seasoned actor at the time, so he did, um, I guess, producing or pseudo-direction. I don't know. I don't even know what it's called, but he would just make sure everything was was looking correct. Um a lot of times when, when action was involved, and not just action as far as like punching people, but like when we're moving around or um, like the camera's going to be moving around, like if someone's getting up from a chair suddenly, like kind of specifically when there was action involved, he would he would kind of make sure like, hey, Ezra or Ira kind of calling us by our character names, like, hey, when you, when you do this, make sure you're not going to capture, capture this because then the mirror's going to get blah, blah, blah. And, and then specifically in the action scene, like the fight sequence, um, he was kind of doing specific stunt coordination, so because um, he he's been doing that for a long time. So, yeah, it was a really interesting experience with everyone on set. It really started to feel legit. Um, right. Once we got rolling, we were. I feel like we knocked out quite quite a few scenes. Yeah. Um, one thing that we did, <clears throat> we kind of ad libbed some lines day of. And yeah. I think what we could have done to prepare for that a little better is done a few more read-throughs right. with our lines memorized. Um, <clears throat> so it could feel it as if, like, hey, is this something my character would say? Is this something that I feel comfortable saying? Because we would start to ad-lib lines as we were sitting at the table all in character, you know? Like, our two characters wore suits. They were supposed to be, like, these young business guys. Um, a lot of the ad-libbing was, I think, in an attempt to, to kind of embody the character. Because, like, for us, it felt kind of awkward at first um, because, like, I did tons of the writing, so it would have been for myself and for all the characters. But there were some points in time where, where the uh, the actor would start to say the line and we'd be like, oh, like, I don't know if that works the best. Uh, and then it was cool because because we were so free flow and, and casual about it, there was a professionalism, of course, but because we were casual about 
the possible changes or ad-libbing what you're going to say. Um, actors just kind of, could kind of take on their own spin, which was neat, except it sometimes created a nightmare in post-production, but we'll get to that later. So that day, I think, lasted uh, from about 7 at night to 2.30 or 3 in the morning. Yeah, I think it was like 3, 3.30. Um, and honestly, that time flew by. You know, we were, we were doing takes outside. We did takes inside. Uh, we did a we did a scene. The one of the first scenes is uh, after the introduction. Uh, that black car rolls up and stops. We film that scene. Um, I thought I thought it went really well. That was Dude. our our first day, and yeah. after that we were incredibly pumped. But we knew we had work to do for the second day, uh, so I, that, so we went home and yeah. slept. For sure. I was just gonna add one thing. I think for me, as this is probably more on me than it was on on Taylor or the other couple of guys that were fundamental in making this thing happen. When I know I knew when I when going into it, um imagining like all the hours like counting them on my fingers that we would had, I thought we'd have plenty of time uh, and not kind of have to rush. But really, as soon as we we set action the first time, it, it almost feels like a race against the clock. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you feel like shoot like this is on the this is take 6 or take 10 on this sequence and we have like eight more scenes to go before whatever this hour We probably hits. could have broken it up a little more too. I feel like we try to do that one big uh, conversation scene. We try to do it as, as fluid as possible so it really seemed like a conversation. Right. But if we just if we just focused on, hey, let's get this part where you order the drinks or, hey, when uh, the bartender comes up, mm-hmm. uh, when, Frankie, when Frankie comes up, if we had just broken it up a little more, right. um, I, I think that would be a piece of advice for anyone trying to make a film. Take, yeah. off, take off bite-sized pieces figure out exactly what you want, do it a few times, and then move on. Yeah. Because we were like, all right, let's just do the whole scene. We want it to feel organic. We want it to feel really good. Um, It's because the meat of the movie is dialogue. You know, like that that's the meat of it. Because we, we, going into it, talking about getting pre-production stuff was like, um, like what we wanted the strengths of it to be, and we didn't want it to be like just cheesy karate kung fu action. Or we didn't didn't want it to be like some shoot 'em up because we knew that wasn't our priority. Uh, I think that that's what was kind of affecting a lot of our decisions on production days was like, yeah, this is really the the portion we need to, we need to have the audience really understand this point and get this point across. And the way we we had to do that was with character development and dialogue. And so I think that's why we kind of shot it that way. But absolutely, it would be the sound like specifically having the um, like what you laughs is that what you call them? Yeah. Like having that, I think would have been crucial because then we wouldn't have necessarily had to worry about doing it like 20 times, being like, all right, we're going to get Ricardo here. Okay, then we're going to get Fabian for this whole thing. Because then we end up doing it like 20 times, and yet at the end we're still like, ah, we're missing some audio. So, Yeah, audio was a challenge for us. Uh, just being completely transparent, audio was definitely... Uh, definitely a challenge. Definitely a challenge. Sam, Sam did a great job of working with what he had, but um, we definitely needed a couple more people on set. We right. needed... Uh, it, it wasn't like the lack of... The job that people, the jobs that people were doing, it was like realizing why Hollywood movies takes cost so much money to make, and why they have so many people at the end credits. Because like when we put ours together, we were like, "Holy crap, this looks like a lot of people too," and because it was like it was, and there no one was making money, right? That's that's the crazy part. You think about it, all of these names of people that just devoted time and nobody's making money from it, and then you realize, okay, no wonder a gigantic movie like we've seen the last weekend or whatever, like why that costs so much money is because 
it costs so much money and time to make those movies. So that's just something that I think we took away afterwards. So after day one, after we wrapped it up, I, I don't think anyone was ready to really go, but people started to drag, you know, people were incredibly tired. We had to start cleaning up the shop for them to open at eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, we went home and slept. Some people went to work. Um, and we really... God bless their souls. And yeah, we both took the time off because we were, we really wanted to devote the time. Yeah. But we kind of tried to tighten up the tighten up the script a little bit um for day two yeah so to essentially to make it full of like a full-on transition here so day one was a lot of expositional type shooting it was really kind of getting our feet wet but ultimately like the meat of the day was shooting um conversation and dialogue so to transition into day two this would be like this was our largest crew this was when kind of shooting expected the most out of us and this is where the most unfamiliar territory was um specifically in day two with, with things like the fight scene and, and a bunch of movement in cameras. So I'll let Taylor kind of start this thing off, but that's kind of the, the trans, transition from day one to day two. So although we had three days of shooting, we had two days with our full crew. The third day was... Uh, kind of like a skeleton crew of a skeleton crew. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very small. So this was our, this was our second and last day, which amateur move really thinking that we could get it done in two days, but somehow we did. Um, we definitely could have used a third day with everybody and probably a fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we were devoted to, um, uh, doing a couple scenes. We, we really wanted to get the fight scene. That was the main thing that we wanted to do. Um, PJ Jenkins was a huge, huge, uh, asset when we were doing that. He did some stunt coordination. He's been a New Jersey state police officer, or state trooper, arts, state the, trooper, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and as he, well as Ricardo, like Ricardo was was very in, instrumental in in because uh, whereas PJ was getting a lot of the operational side of it, like Ricardo was a lot focused on like the performance side of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think was really really cute, really cool and huge. So we had we had done choreography so, for it, um, really basic choreography, and just making sure everyone knew what to do to make sure it looked good on camera. Um, we had breakaway bottles because there's a scene where Ezra Tanner's character. Uh, breaks a bottle and then stabs Benicio with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, spoilers. <laughs> but then Aron the coyote, he also tries to pull a gun and shoot Ira, which is my character. Mm-hmm. So we we wanted it to be like we wanted it to look cool, but at the same time not be like Jason Bourne. And that's what we always kept going back to. It's like, dude, we're not freaking special agents. We're not. Speak for yourself, Ira. <laughs> Kung Fu masters, anything like that. Um, so we wanted it to be like, hey, with someone with really basic training, what could we do? Right. Or someone with just good instincts, what could we do? So we we practiced it in slow motion probably 10 times, especially me grabbing the gun from our own. And, um, and then we, we went into it and we did the scene. And the first time, the first time we did it and the the gun blew back because we had CO2 in it, and we did it in full speed, I was like, holy shit, this is going to look cool. Um, and the way we cut it, I think, played to the fact that it was a micro budget. You know, it wasn't like super right. slow-mo or anything like that. But right. I think it looked really cool. Um, I think so too. And PJ did a really good job in uh, doing the effects for it, um, or the stunt coordination, because it, it looked realistic. You know, it wasn't like I do the Matrix shit and bend backwards right. and dodge right. bullets. You know, it's it was like... It was like I just grabbed the gun, 
I pointed at somebody, and then that's really it. Right. Um, well, it was immensely... It, it stayed consistent, essentially, from day one on the page, on the page officially, because obviously our first initial thoughts were way, way, way more um, grand of a fight scene. But essentially, day one on, on the page, it was stayed the same throughout when we ended up shooting it. Um, but then when we, when you, we're like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then we go to shoot it. I remember the first, first two times probably it was really awkward. And then the way that, uh, Ezra punches, uh, on the coyote, it just looked hilarious. Cause like we, we didn't know how he was going to fall. If he fell back on the table, of course I didn't like kill his character. Cause it's just a, like a, basically a, a punch to the face. Uh, but then he was just kind of like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna hit him like like an overhand right, and he's gonna fall to the left out of camera, and I'm just literally gonna catch him, so he's just gonna go dead weight. And then I remember, then he was like, okay, when you do this, like you're gonna catch the gun this way with your palm, and then we're like, and then he's like, and we're like, okay, cool, <laughs> and then it was like action, and then we nail it like three times. We're like, oh wow, I feel so much more confident. And then we looked at it like on our playback um, during shooting, we were like, holy cow, that looks awesome. That looks awesome. So, shout so that, out to him. So that fight scene ended up really cool. Um, Mark, the other producer, <clears throat> he got some really cool blood. Uh, there's also a, a part where PJ's character gets shot, and uh, we built a squib. We watched some YouTube video and built a squib. We all went to Home Depot and built this. Basically, a squib is uh, to emulate the blood squirting. Uh, you cut a little hole in somebody's shirt. You attach this little like tube. Tube filled with blood and then you pressurize it and have it squirt blood you essentially just shoot through shoot air through the through the uh, opposite end of the tube which forces the blood mixture onto the shirt making it look like a gunshot so when we when we tested it it looked amazing it looked awesome it, it squirted a lot it was like it looked like a a real that's what she said mm-hmm it it just looked really cool. So the day of, we told we told PJ to to bring two shirts so we could get at least two shots with it, and the squib kind of failed. To be honest, yeah, um, I don't think we pressurized it enough. Um, long story short, basically make sure if you're going to do something like that, you have enough to do a bunch of takes. Uh, so bring right. additional costumes or whatever you need to do, or test the squib day of. I mean, yep. we could have done that. We were so confident. We said this thing worked perfectly. The yep. the, other, the few times that we tried it. Um, kind of in a rush because I think at that time it was like one or two in the morning right? and um, we were least, trying to get all yeah. this fight stuff done and it just, you know, we, we did some in post-production but we kind of, it, it would have looked so much better if we just had taken the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I mean, this, this whole thing was such a big learning experience. If we had just done the yeah. squib a little better, I think that that scene would have come out yeah. a lot cooler. I think part of it, we just we just didn't feel that good about it after we shot it. I think we all kind of knew that we had those two takes to do. We shot them. Neither of them were really kind of what we didn't what we'd like. Um, but at that, you kind of have to roll with things like that. That's kind of one thing you learn. Um, and then to kind of circle back to the fight scene because I, I just kind of wanted to mention this because it was cool for me. Um, when Ezra grabs the the bottle, of course, we have just a, a standard. Um, real beer bottle throughout the whole sequence. And then, of course, when we're about to shoot it, we switch it out with the breakaway. So essentially, these breakaways are, like, made out of sugar. Um, and so they're really, really light, but they look perfect. They look exactly like a real bottle. 
um, but then they easily break and then you can't really get stabbed from them. Um, and so that was cool. So essentially we just had these, these sugar bottles that we purchased. They're expensive as hell, by the way. Um, but we did for like three takes only. It worked perfectly, but it was, it was neat because that, that was one of the sequences for the whole crew where it was like, wow, this is like a real production, <laughs> you know? You know, yeah. it just kind of elevated the, the, the feel of, of shooting that. So essentially that's what it was. It was just a sugar bottle that we broke as a brick weight and uh, used it as the stabbing We also tool. used, there was a scene where Benicio falls back in his chair. We also used, uh, uh, it was kind of like gymnastic mats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was another thing that we used. Yep. So essentially just put it behind him in the chair, out of frame, of course. When I do that little stab punch thing, then he falls back out of frame onto the mats. So that's how we did that. What else do you want to talk about, D2? What what else, uh, What are the other highlights? We're not going to walk them through every shot, but... Right. I mean, the other... The, then after we did the fight sequence, and we basically just... Not to do just a play-by-play, but the other big shot that we did was essentially just outside um, when those the women at the end of the film um, are in the van. We shot that day two. Yep. And that we did that classic, open the doors and their cameras facing us. Um, kind of all of that was was interesting because like lighting, you don't think about it when you just watch a movie and there's a shot like that. But when you shoot it, you're like, okay, how do we get lighting in there? And then we try it and it's like, okay, that's so artificial because there wouldn't be light in that in that spot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then I remember Brad was just like, fuck it, you guys, let's just try it. I remember like to this day, we were just talking about it the other day. He was saying um, how we, we were just going to cancel that shot, basically. Remember that? And then we did like one final take just to be like, let me just try it. Or one take, I guess. And he just wanted to try it and he nailed it and everything. And the lighting worked perfectly because it was, of course, dark on our end. So we didn't even really need to do artificial light on the inside. So that was cool. That was, uh, that was like one of the shots that I thought was like a must have because I just thought it's cliche, but I want to do it. <laughs> you yeah, know, really cool shot. For sure. Um, That's kind of it, though, for day two. Yeah, so we wrapped up, and uh, that that was it. Uh, all the other cast really left, um, and oh, our yeah. crew was incredibly small for the next day. Yeah. Um, so day two was, like, the largest crew. Yeah, day and, two, we had we had someone doing continuity. We had right. uh, two additional camera operators. Um, we had the four girls there. Um, yep. And then we had, like, full-on, like, catering and everything, too. Um, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. And then the, the, uh, the last thing I was going to say, um, we did that. I think it was from like literally like six thirty Cause we knew going into it, we're like, okay, we're against the clock on this one. Cause we knew day two was kind of like the last day, even though it was only the second day. Um, so I think we rushed in and cleaned it up in like 25 minutes, started at like six thirty ish. Um, and then didn't finish. We didn't get home until five thirty in the morning. So yeah, that, that was a crazy, that was day. a really, really crazy day. So we wrapped up day two. We decided, hey, what do we need from day three? And we we really needed like the most basic of crews. Um, there was that initial car scene. There's two car scenes, um, kind of three, but two inside the car. There's one at the very beginning of the movie where we have a, a short dialogue and there's that phone call. And then there's a part at the very end. Um, I think it's only like three or four lines, but basically... It's uh, Yuri, the driver slash cousin. He basically is checking up on Ezra after he gets stabbed or whatever, and it basically is the reveal that uh, Yuri is our cousin. Um, and we, we said, hey, we need to shoot this in a way. We need to get those drone shots. Uh, what was that guy's name who did the drone? Hunter Feller. Yeah, Hunter. Hunter Shout he out did. to him. He's doing some cool work, too. So he, he hooked us up and just kind of let us, just did it for us. So that was cool. 
yeah, it, really cool guy, really good with drones. Um, if you need drone work, we'll definitely put you in contact with him. Um, something that was really cool was uh, we basically planned out the night. We, we said, okay, we want to get some driving shots, so we're going to have everyone at this location. We're going to do the drone, and we're going to have people on the street uh, to, to get some of the pass-by shots, and then we, we're going to dedicate an hour and a half to that, and then we're going to do the the shots at the very beginning of the movie where we're in the car and we're having our dialogue rolling up to the place. Mm -hmm. And then basically it was Mark who played Yuri driving Brad, (laughs) the DP in the uh, passenger seat who did lighting and camera like at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. We, we definitely could have gotten a little bit better lighting there. We were just using that little led panel, but the third day was really just all focused on car stuff. Um, right. I mean, we, we, we only had what we needed to, like the bare minimum, because it was like, uh, it, was, it was even going to be smaller, but we ended up having just us two, of course, Brad and Mark, and it was like me, Taylor, and Mark, of course, were, were fundamental because to it, because we were going to be in it, like they were going to actually be shooting us. And then we also had Hunter, who did drones. Um, Sam was there. Sam was there for, for, uh, for sound, and then it was a different Noah, who did some early camera operation then, too, so... Day three was really, it wasn't too bad. I think we started shooting like at nine, maybe. Yeah. It was like late at night. We did it. We wrapped up around one or two. Yeah, I was about to say a couple of hours, three, four hours. It it wasn't, it wasn't crazy. We used, that's where we used that wide angle lens. I think it was an 18. Um, And we used that little LED panel. Basic, 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 basic stuff. Um, Is there anything else we did day three? It was a, it was a drone, and then inside the car, basically. And then oh, we, oh, we did the <clears throat> walking out at the very very end. Yeah, that's that was, right. That was really fun. Um, we also did because uh, we still had the truck at the, or the van at that point. We yeah. rented a van from U-Haul or yeah, no, no, it was no, Enterprise. Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We rented a, a van from Enterprise. It's the green one. I couldn't remember which one that was. Um, what we also did was the Yuri running shots. There's a scene where Yuri runs with a, a ah, you're right, you're right. And we did those shots. So we had to reset up all the lighting, and we used the generator from the Enterprise van. So that was really interesting because we didn't have access to the barbershop at that point. Right. Um, overall takeaways, I mean, sound sound is incredibly important. I think it's pretty close to 50% of the movie in terms of quality. Um, if the sound's good, uh, very, very important. So pay attention to sound if you're doing a movie. Lighting is also incredibly important, as well as composition of shots. Yep. Um, takeaways. What What else can we What else can we say? What did we learn? People don't make the same mistakes. Oh man, so many. Um, learn so much stuff. But essentially, for for me, after going back and, and watching it and rewatching it, I think sound is just the thing that sticks out to me occasionally. Like there's a lot. I think a lot of it is like at a, at a solid A. Just some of it. Some of it is just a little bit less than fantastic. Um, only because that's Fantastic. what we, what we were, what was necessary. Basically, like we didn't really have another option. That's the thing I would say is the biggest production takeaway from it um, was just focusing, like knowing, okay, we should, we should mic up all of our actors as well as we should have just had labs in the in the car scenes, right? Yeah, I would have liked to have like probably three or four on set because that's all we would really need. Um, but having that would have been instrumental in, I think, really making certain. Um, things pop in a different way. Cool. 
Well, that is uh, that is production for the movie. If you guys have any questions, you can tr- tweet us at Gray Brothers. Watch the film at FragileFish.com. And then, as usual, the podcast can be found on podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher for Android, SoundCloud if you want to go to the source, or YouTube. Any of it's going to be under the Gray Area or the Gray Area Podcast. The last thing I wanted to just say to other filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers, we're still aspiring, you know, to do to bigger and better things. Uh, but really just shoot what you can, like when you can, like we, we did something that was like way more than, than most people would just start out with, you know, but like we, we know after this now, like going to see a movie, like there's just things that you learn and, and like the, the, it's so exciting. It's so cool. It's so creative to be able to just create a project like that. You know, that's how all of the biggest directors start. So just shoot something, find us on Stitcher podcast and SoundCloud and YouTube. G R E A G R E I G H. That's how you spell it. A R E A, if you didn't know how to spell area. Just kidding. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Later.